What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richer Geek Podcast. I'm very pleased to have David Garofalo. He is the Chief Executive Officer, President, Chairman, and Director of the Board with Gold Royalty Corp. He was mined, He was named uh, the Mining Person of the Year and Canada's Chief Financial Officer of the Year by Financial Executives International Canada. Wow, did I miss anything there, David? Yeah, that's plenty. Thanks very much for the kind <laughs> introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, you know, we love talking about mining, uh, talking about gold. It's just uh, everyone knows gold. Everyone knows minerals, but not a lot of people know what it takes uh, and, and the different ways to invest and all the different things about mining. Now, you work for royalty uh, investing type of a corporation. You know, what is Gold Royalty Corp? Well, what we do is provide capital to the explorers, the mine developers, the operators that are looking to either build, explore, or develop um, and expand. Uh, existing operating mines. And we provide that capital expecting to get a return in the form of a royalty on the mine. And um, over the course of the last year, since our IPO on the NYC American, we've invested in 192 different royalties across the Americas. And we have the highest compounded average growth rate and royalty revenue in the entire mining industry at about 60% per year. And that's an interesting model because what it does is provides you top line exposure to a mine. In other words, you get a percentage of the revenue. So as the gold price goes up, our royalty revenue goes up. As the operating partner achieves exploration success, so say they grow their deposit geologically through their exploration efforts, we get a royalty on that upside as well. Mm-hmm. But what we protect our shareholders from is cost inflation, because again, we only get a fixed percentage of the top line. So doesn't matter what happens to the operating costs and capital costs at the mine. And that's particularly relevant in this environment where we're seeing massive cost inflation in the general economy and mining companies aren't immune from that. So if you believe in gold as an asset class, my argument is the best place to put your money to work is in the royalty business because it provides that optimum leverage to the gold price and expiration while protecting you from cost inflation. So it's not like... You know, difference between I'm going to go buy some gold, throw it in a safe, and I'm at the whim of the inflationary prices in the market and all of that. If you invest in the royalties, you're kind of getting every aspect of the mining industry. And we've had several um, mining industry professionals on our 
podcasts prior. And so you're kind of taking advantage of that entire system. Yeah, look, I, I love physical. I own physical gold. I think everybody should have a percentage of their portfolio in that, it, particularly in this insidious inflationary environment where your purchasing power gets eroded every year when you keep your money sitting in a savings account, right? Or a checking account. But, but um, you know, when you own physical gold, it doesn't grow. You know, it, it's, it, it, it can grow in value as the gold price goes up. And that's certainly why you'd buy gold is, to, you know, in an environment where money is being printed, gold is the one asset that can't, or one currency can't be printed. So you're protected in that way. It's very scarce. But what the royalty companies provide you is expiration upside. So you get that exposure to physical gold in the ground that's going to be mined. But again, if the operators that own the mines are successful in their exploration efforts, your royalty is going to expand as the deposit expands. So you get the expiration upside. So you know, running a royalty company is almost like owning physical gold with expiration upside. Hmm. Very interesting. Now, as the world is looking at these record-breaking inflation numbers, and I mean, what does that mean? We talked, you talked a little bit about what it means, you know, with some inflation, but where's it going to go next? I mean, we're not seeing an end really to this inflation uh, anytime soon. What does that mean for gold? No, it's an excellent question. And, and, you know, the last time we had an inflationary cycle of this magnitude, it was in the 70s and 80s. And I'm old enough to remember it. You know, I, I, I see all the signals that I saw back then, you know, uh, fuel shortages, high gas prices, lineups at gas stations, empty grocery shelves, uh, war. You know, we had the Vietnam War as gold got decoupled, uh, or sorry, the US dollar got decoupled from uh, gold, the gold standard. You know, they were basically printing money to finance the Vietnam War. Now we're printing money to finance the collapse of the financial system. And, and there's wars. I mean, Russia, Ukraine, and we're helping to finance what's happening in Ukraine to protect themselves which is the right thing to do morally. But what that means is we have to print money to finance that war. So all of the things that we saw back in the 70s, all those flags, we're seeing them again. And I would argue that, you know, yeah, headline inflation numbers are approaching seven, seven and a half, eight percent. But the reality is if you're buying food, buying fuel or putting a roof over your head, it's double digits. It's yeah. not seven, eight percent. What they exclude from that basket is ridiculous. You know, right. the, the PPI baskets are meant to, placate the masses without really telling you exactly what's happening in terms of cost pressures. In that type of environment, gold, you know, reached all time highs back in the late seventies, early eighties of over $800 an ounce. That was in 1980 dollars. You know, if you inflation adjust that to today, you're probably looking at $3,000 an ounce. That would be the 2022 equivalent of what we saw in the last inflationary cycle. So there's a lot of upside from here. And, you know, there's been a lot of excesses introduced in the system over a long period of time. This money printing is not a recent phenomenon. It really goes back to even prior to the credit crisis when central banks were coordinating their efforts to stave off financial ruins in the financial services sector, you know, bailing out Wall Street, as it were. And they did that by printing a lot of money, lowering interest rates to effectively zero on a nominal basis, on a real basis, given where inflation is interest rates are deeply, deeply into negative territory. And so even as they raise nominal rates today, it doesn't matter because inflation is accelerating. So real rates will continue to plunge deeper and deeper into negative territory, which means there's no opportunity cost to owning gold. You know, back in the day when gold was 250 an ounce in the late 1990s and treasuries were yielding seven or 8%, 
Why would you own gold? It yields nothing and you might as well own treasuries. Well, treasuries today yield effectively zero and on a real basis, minus eight, 10, 15% when you consider the erosion of your purchasing power. So gold protects you. It protects your savings in that type of environment. So gold's got a lot of upside from here. Yeah, so the raising interest rates won't diminish it at all. No, because it's nominal rates. You know, inflation is still going higher and higher. So it, it's exactly what happened in the late 70s. Paul Volcker came in, you know, he was an inflation hawk to run the Federal Reserve in the late 70s. And he started ratcheting up nominal rates. It took him over 10 years to tame double-digit inflation. And so, again, you know, we're the horses out of the barn, you know, raising nominal rates now, we won't get the impact of that on inflation for, for many years to come. And we're going to have to be much higher in our interest rates in order to really tame inflation. And I don't think the central banks really have the appetite to do that because there's been so much debt strapped on by sovereign governments that there's no fiscally responsible way for them to tax and repay that. The only way to, for them to deal with that debt is to debase it. In other words, inflate it away, yeah. debase the currency, make the debt worthless. And so they're going to continue to print. So when they talk about tapering, what that means is they're going to slightly slow down the increase in money supply. But make no mistake about it. Money supply is going to continue to accelerate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's... Yeah, you, know, you just don't think about things like that. You know, we're, we just we listen to the news. We, you know, you don't really get the insider's viewpoint on these things. Um, now, if you if you Google royalty companies, mining royalty companies, there's lots of stuff that comes up. Um, what separates the top royalty companies like you from all the all the others that we see out there? Well, look, I, I think there's a few things that distinguish our story. You know, one is the diversification of our portfolio. We have 192 royalties and 75% of them uh, by value and by volume are in the two best mining jurisdictions in the world, Quebec and Nevada, uh, which are rated top in the world by the Fraser Institute, which is an economic think tank here in Canada that rates them based on mineral potential, low political risk and low regulatory risk. And these are jurisdictions that welcome mining. And that's so important. And obviously, we're in stable tier one jurisdictions. Yeah. And so that's important. So it's a low risk proposition, but again, very diversified. And within those 192 royalties, we have 28 that are either cash flowing currently or in various stages of development and construction. So we have a lot of embedded growth. And the beauty of those 192 royalties is they're bought and paid for. We don't have to put another dime into them. Mm. That growth is embedded. And so that goes right to the bottom line for our shareholders. We run our business with seven full-time employees. We could run a business 10 times the size with those same seven full-time employees. So that means any incremental royalties we add into the portfolio go right to the bottom line. And our growth has been so significant. We were able to introduce a dividend 10 months after our IPO. We pay it just under a 1% yield. And given that our revenue is growing at a rate of 60% per annum, the ability to increase that dividend over the next three to five years, we think is, is very, very high. Wow. I mean, that is amazing that you can do so much with I, I, the cost, you know, have got to be very low with that, that few amount of employees. Um, now, are you 100% in gold? Or are you doing any of the other, you have any percentages in some of the, I call them the, the green 
minerals that are so common and so popular now with, you know, lithium and copper and, and those types of things that are. Well, we, we think investors value purity. Um, you know, we, we yeah. have over 90% of our royalties in gold. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, probably another 3% in silver. And the balance is probably in, mostly in copper, which is great. I mean, copper is so important to our decarbonizing world. Right. There's so much copper using electric vehicles, electric grids. And our, our, our need for copper as a society is insatiable. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to have some of that exposure. I think copper has got legs as well. But we'll stay focused on precious metal. That purity tends to attract the best multiples. And so yeah. we'll stay focused on gold as a result. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I found out that I have 150 pounds of copper in my Tesla vehicle. It and that's just three amazing. times what it would be in your old internal combustion engine. You know, yeah. it, it's much more copper intensive in electric vehicles than it is in traditional vehicles. Now, you guys just made a big purchase. Um, trying to think of the name of it was, uh, I'm probably going to screw up the name or, or acquisition was uh, Abitibi. Yeah, so we actually made several acquisitions last year. So it goes back to our IPO in March of 2021. So a little over a year ago now, March 11th of 2021, we IPO'd with our initial royalty portfolio of 14 royalties on the development stage assets of our former parent company, Gold Mining Inc. And I know you've interviewed Alistair Still, the CEO of Gold Mining, a colleague of mine. And uh, on the strength of that, on the IPO, we raised $90 million US on the NYC American under the stock trading symbol GROY, G-R-O-Y. And we achieved a post-money valuation of $200 million on the IPO. We then used that currency to go and start to roll up uh, what is a fragmented sector and has been a fragmented sector. Uh, we bought three of our peer companies, first Ely Gold, which grew our royalty portfolio from 14 royalties to 105 royalties. And then we bought, through a three-way merger, Golden Valley and Abitibi, and we grew our royalty portfolio from 105 to 192 royalties. And effectively quadrupled our market cap and increased our royalty portfolio 15-fold plus. And so we've had a very, very active year. And most recently, we announced uh, an acquisition proposal for another peer company, Elemental Royalties, that owns royalties in Australia, among other jurisdictions, and it would complement the portfolio we have now. So there's lots of scope for consolidation. We've grown very quickly. What's come out of that, you know, in addition to the 192 royalties I was talking about, within yeah. that, we have a royalty now on Canada's biggest gold mine, Canadian Arctic. We have a royalty on Canada's second biggest gold mine, Cote Gold in, in Ontario. And we have a royalty on the United States' biggest gold mine, uh, Gold Strike in Nevada. We own a royalty on the underground extension of what's been the most prolific open pit gold mine ever found and operated by Barrick and Newmont. Wow. You know, for our listeners that don't really know what, what does it mean to, to have a royalty? It's a, it, it gives you the privilege of getting a fixed percentage of the revenue from that mine. So typically it could be a half percent to 3% of the revenue, but it's just the top line. So as I said, as the gold price goes up, our revenue goes up. Um, and, and again, because we are only getting a percentage of the top line, there's no obligation for us to put any more capital in. We're not exposed to cost inflation. It's really the best of all worlds. As I said, it's almost like owning physical gold, but with the expiration upside that comes uh, from drilling these deposits out, growing them geologically. Yeah. So you guys have done this massive growth, growth in such a short time. What? would you say is next 
for you guys? What are you seeing? Yeah, there's there's lots of opportunity. You know, the, the industry's underinvested in new mine development over the last six or seven years, and there's going to be a catch up in that regard. That opens up opportunities for us to provide capital to the operators, explorers, the mine developers to help them finance their project construction. So there's going to be lots of opportunities for us to create new royalties and to continue to grow our portfolio. We're, you know, you really should think of us as a special purpose bank focused exclusively on mining. Um, we put capital work in mining space. And the beauty of it is, you know, within our board management, we have over 400 years of mine development and operating experience. I have 32 years of building and operating mines. And that's that's uh, indicative of what we have in our broader board of management. There's a lot of people like me of similar vintage. That gives us a clear-eyed view of the underlying risk of the things that we're investing in and taking royalties back on. But also, it gives us unmitigated access to anybody in the industry. You, know, you and I were talking about this before we started recording this interview, how small the industry is. I know everybody, everybody knows me, and that's true of all of our board management. We can pick up the phone and talk to anybody in the industry, and that affords us opportunities before they're available to the rest of the marketplace, given the seniority of our team. Now, I asked you about what the uh, future holds. What could go wrong for Gold Royalty Corp in the coming years? Well, look, there's really no downside because, as yeah. I said, the royalties we own, we've already paid for. We own them. There's nothing but upside and optionality in owning those royalties. Um, you know, and if the market goes, goes haywire and gold goes down, we don't have to deploy capital. We can just wait and harvest the returns on the royalties we've already invested in. That's the beauty of the business. And if you look at gold royalties performance and royalty companies' performance during the ups and downs in the cycle, mm-hmm. royalty companies outperform the mining companies on a relative basis up in the cycle, down in the cycle uh, because of the low risk model that we have because we're not exposed to costs. And, and, and not only that, we have a lot more diversification than a mining company could have. Even the biggest mining companies in the world, which one of which I helped create Newmont through the biggest gold merger in the world in 2019, $32 billion merger. You know, they have a dozen mines within their portfolio. Well, we have 192. You know, we could, we could have an infinite number of royalties in our portfolio because it doesn't require active day-to-day management. We're managing contracts as rather, rather than mines. So we really have unlimited scope to take on more and more royalties and more diversification. It really does provide investors much more diversity to the risk associated with mining. Yeah, I think that's amazing where you've taken this concept and say, hey, look, we'll let everyone else deal with you know, employees because that's kind of a big thing now, trying to get people to show up and wanting to work and dealing with the headaches and buying the machinery. And you guys just handle contracts and and the paperwork side of it, I think that's really good. Um, do you see, you know, there's big talk about environmental factors and and all this, um, that type of thing, you know, with the environmentalists. Do you see gold mining being affected by that at all? You know, I'm really optimistic about what the mining industry has done to, to uh, uh, make its environmental footprint smaller in a couple of respects. One is we're seeing increasingly electrification of our mining fleets. And so we're seeing much less carbon intensity at our, at our mines. We're seeing much less water intensity at our mines. We're able to 
for example, recycle water much more effectively, particularly when it comes to waste management than we have historically. The, the technology has advanced leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's very, very exciting. Uh, but again, within the royalty model, if you're concerned about that kind of ESG risk, we have much more diversification. That being said, when we invest in a royalty, we ensure we do a lot of due diligence around the ESG practices of our operating partners. And we've turned down more royalties than we bought because of poor ESG practices. Hmm. That's good, very good to know, because I know a lot of our listeners are, are interested in that type of a topic. Now, for all of our listeners out there that are thinking, okay, you know, they've listened to all these different type of mining and, and different gold and different things. What kind of advice would you give to young and old investors that might be getting into mining and gold for the first time? Well, well look, I think what you want is uh, the lowest risk way to play gold with the highest leverage. And I still think that's the royalty and streaming space. Mm -hmm. So when you're investing in a company like that, you want one that has growth already embedded in their portfolio, has trading liquidity. You want something that's relevant to institutional investors. And if it's in a liquid stock that trades by appointment, I would avoid it because they're like Roach Motels, easy to get in, hard to get out. We trade uh, upwards of $5 million US per day on the NYC American. So we're very, very liquid. Anybody can play as both small and large investors. And I think that's important. Do they pay dividends? Because Royalty companies are a collection of annuities. You know, we have annuities on mines. So you should participate in that annuity as an investor. And that's why it was so important for us so shortly after IPO to launch a dividend, to, to signal to the market, we're serious about returning capital to shareholders. That tells you it's a real business that creates profits and not just a play on the gold price. And then you have to look at the management track record. Have they done this before? Do they understand the industry? And that's why... You know, I'm as proud of the people we brought on board as I am the assets. You know, we have collectively over 400 years of industry experience in our board and management. That's a lot of seniority. Uh, that's a lot of on the ground experience. Again, we have a clear eyed view of the underlying risks of the business. We have access. That's extremely important to ensure that, you know, the company's executing on a strategy. Now, on the uh, New York Stock Exchange, uh, you're listed under as Groy, G-R-O-Y. Yep. Where else, if they're Canadians, uh, where, where, where can they find you on that exchange? We're exclusively on the NYC American, ah. but Canadians can very readily buy uh, U.S. stocks. I, I, you know, I own a chunk of G-R-O-Y myself, even though I'm based here in Vancouver. Uh, easy to trade. Uh, it's the most liquid, deepest capital markets in the world. That's why we're in the NYC. And proud to be there. Um, and uh, and uh, also, if you'd like to learn more from us or about us, come to our website, goldroyalty.com. Goldroyalty.com. And is there any other place that uh, they can get a hold of you or find more information? Well, there are several dealers that actually have launched research coverage on us. Uh, BMO uh, here in Canada, HC Wainwright, Haywood, uh, uh, Laurentian Bank. Uh, they all have buy recommendations on us uh, with target prices well above where we're currently trading. So I would say, uh, you know, please read that research if you're looking for some independent uh, perspective on our business and our prospects. Well, sir, I appreciate your time today. And uh, listeners, if you're interested, I think this is a very, very good way. Do your research, but this might be a very good way to get your toes wet into the mining business. 
Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for your time. Thanks for tuning in to the Richer Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichergeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.